Man, he is worthy. Golly, day, what a great time of worship this morning. Amen? I mean, I tell you what, if you didn't feel something in here, you need to get saved. Did you like that? All right, that's cool. Oh, man, you know what? The other day, I was, uh, we were riding, and I, I, I think we were coming back from the carnival, which pony pinning's over. Oh. Uh, all right, we can get back on with life. But the other day we we're coming back from the carnival and uh, the, the other evening, my wife and I were talking and uh, somehow we were talking about, you know, school supply shopping and Carter, the eight-year-old, you know, he caught on to that. He went, school, no! And I'm going, yes! So all of you teachers, we love you. Bless the Lord for you. All right, cool. Uh, we're going to get into week two on this topic of what we're talking about in, res in, in regards to what God really wants. Last week, we understand that what God really wants is you. He really wants you. He's looking for you, your undivided attention. He's wanting all of you, not just a part of you. Remember, we talked about in a sense that we all have things that we love, don't we? We have things, we got family, we've got stuff, right? You got material things that you love uh, or, or really like, I guess you could say, you know? We all have something about you. There's a niche about you, right? And, 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 and that, that is your thing. Maybe it's boating, you know, clamming. I love to clam, right? Anybody like to clam? You are the closest thing to God, okay. Uh, you know, I, I love those things. And, and so we have things that we like. And so what we do is we often... Um, we, we often set them as a priority within life, especially if it's the season of that thing or, or, or if it's, you know, the time for that relationship to, to, to be even closer. So what we do is, is we set priorities and we kind of, sub, uh, you know, subconsciously we list them or we rank them in the order of importance. We need to know this, that God should always be at the top of that list. Nothing else should ever come in front of what God is. No plan, no schedule, no time, no person, place, or thing. Everything should fall under God. The whole goal of our series is to simply that we don't uh, have the right definition when it comes to what we just done here this morning, but, and it's not done just through a song or clapping or an instrument, but the right definition of what worship truly is. You know, when we think of worship, we think of the formal setting. We think of the religious settings like we're doing here this morning. Songs, real ritualistic things, traditional things, all right? And, and if, if we're not careful, what we will do is we will worship something. Understand that. Every person that has ever been birthed into humanity, into, into this world, has worshiped something because there is a void within inside of you that's been made with inside of each and every one of us that it has to be filled. And what we often do is we fill that through the worship of things, but it should ultimately be filled by who? God himself. Now, understand this. God is cool with you worshiping things. There's no, make no mistake about that. He's, he's okay with you loving things. He's okay with you liking things rather. But nothing should ever come above him. Nothing should ever take top priority over God himself. Uh, there's a pastor by the name of Robert Morris. I, I like him. Many of you have, have heard him. 
Uh, he does a great series on the blessed life, but he has this quote. He says this, worship is our response to what we value the most. We talked all about that last week, but today in our second message, if it's all right with you, we're gonna get a little bit deeper. Like you guys know I'm a life application person. That's how I present the gospel, how you can apply it to your life. Today, we're gonna go a little deeper, all right? And, and, and so you're gonna to need to follow along within, within your bulletin or within what you got going on up here. And, and, and I promise you, this is a setup for next week. Next week, you're gonna get your life application, but this week, you're gonna get your information. All right, you're gonna get your knowledge, all right? So we're gonna jump right into the deep end of the pool here, and I'm gonna ask you this question. Who was the first worshiper? Think about that. Who was the first worshiper? Anytime you want to find the purest teaching of something, you always need to look back to the first. Like within theology and and Bible study, it is always important to mention the first. It is, the first is always the purest teaching of anything when it is first mentioned, all right? Now, with that said, the first mention of a worshiper in the Bible, watch this, it's gonna blow your mind, was actually Lucifer. All right, now, with that said, Before we get into that, let's look at three named angels within scripture. The first being Michael. Michael was about prayer. In the Bible, understand this, Michael is always responding to people's prayer. The Bible tells us that when we pray, angels are being what? Released in the heavens. And we see that in an example when Daniel was praying, Michael says and says, I came in response to your prayer the first time you prayed it, but I ended up in a war in the heavenlies. Stop there for a second. Can you imagine that every time that we send up a prayer, that instantly angels are being, what? Brought into your defense. And there's a war going on in the heavenlies specifically over you. All right, second person, second angel, Gabriel. Word, that's what he is. He's about the word, the Bible, scripture. Remember the Christmas story where Gabriel, what? He came, he tells Mary that you are going to be pregnant and it's gonna happen through the Holy Spirit. And even though you've never been with a man. Gabriel is always delivering a word. He was always delivering a message from God. And then the third angel, Lucifer, meaning worship. What's interesting about this list is that all of heaven is represented by these three things, prayer, the word, and worship. The book of Revelation says that when Lucifer fell from heaven, he took what? A third of the angels with him. Now, a side note, I want you to understand something. Every church service, should include these three things. What? Prayer, the word, which never, never, never should be substituted. And what? Worship. All right. Now, we're going to get into scripture and understand what I'm about to read right before you is directed to the king of Babylon in this time. Understand this, that often scripture or the Bible 
directs something toward a person, but actually it's referring to a spirit that is behind it. Kind of like when Jesus looked at Peter and what did he say? Satan, get behind me. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was calling that spirit saying, get behind me. All right. So let's take a look in Isaiah chapter 12, or excuse me, 14, verses 12 through 14. And it says this, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Now I'm gonna stop there for a second because I want you to understand that Satan in this moment, Lucifer in this moment was an angel in heaven who has now been expelled from it. He had been cast out. Many scholars and theologians believe that this happened between Genesis chapter one, verse one and Genesis chapter one, verse two. A lot of activity happened within that short time frame. First, we understand that God, what did God do? He created. Then in verse two, the earth was, and the Bible tells us this, it was full of what? Void and darkness. Why was it? Because now Satan is occupying that. But in verse three, God gets back involved and he says something and it gets back involved by saying, let there be what? Light. So we see an instant transformation. I told you this is gonna be a little deep today, okay? Walk with me here. This is a journey, not a sprint. All right, we're gonna get through this together, I promise you. All right. Why did Satan get expelled? Let's move on. Chapter, or verse 13, he said, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Something interesting there in that, ver in that last part. We understand that he has got this attitude, Satan, Lucifer himself, that he is what? Above God. He wants to be above God, but he has, he has a problem. He can't help but even Satan himself recognize that God is still what? The most high. He's completely defeating everything he's trying to do. In his heart, he resents the fact that God was getting what? All of the attention, that God was getting all of the worship, and he decides one day that I wanna get it, I want this to be to me. And guess what, that is still his goal today. He wants to get our attention off of God and on anything else that could divide us and separate us from what God's perfect plan and will for your life. This is why we have to be careful. Be careful with what we are worshiping, being careful with what we are doing, being careful of who is what at the top of our list. Anytime that we redirect our worship off of God, we are inadvertently helping Satan to accomplish what it is for his will, his plan. Think about this, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he actually was challenging Jesus to what fall down and worship him and that he would give uh, Jesus everything, all of this. The reason that I'm, I'm saying that or pointing that out is because where you are pointing your passions, where you're pointing your directions, where your devotion, your time, and your love is, is so important. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 11, 
it goes on to say, your pump is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Follow me. I told you it's going to be deep. All right. Satan, in other words, he's saying you will be brought down, you and your stringed instruments. No, not that he had stringed instruments, but part of his makeup, this is Satan, this is Lucifer, right? Was that he was a stringed instrument. Now, we're going to get back to that in just a few moments, all right? So follow me. You might want to, like, earmark that, highlight that, whatever. And it goes on to say, <laughs> I love this, the maggot is spread under you, and worms what? They cover you. That's just disgusting, right? Now, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 13. Here we go. It says, you were the seal of perfection. No, you were what? Were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, what I want you to understand here, there's, there's, there's something you got to look at. Son of man, uh, did, did, where were you at? Did I give you the wrong one? Oh, no, no, there you are. It says that this is what the sovereign Lord says. What? You were the seal of perfection. Then there's a comma that means this is continuing. In other words, you were not only the seal of perfection, but you were full of wisdom. Do we understand? Remember the, the series that we did just uh, about three weeks ago? We were talking ab about wisdom, okay? And, and we looked at some definitions there. We looked at the simple, which means it's somebody who has no idea what they're involved in and they're making bad choices because they have no idea. Usually that's what? With the younger age. Some of you are older, you've been still called a simpleton. Join the club, I'm there. Then we looked at the fool. What was the fool? The fool was a person who knew better, but still chose to do the wrong things. We got some fools in here too. Guess what? I'm one of them too, all right? And then we looked at the scoffer or the mocker. That is the one who what? Knows what to do, chooses not to do it, and then ridicules or criticizes everyone for who is trying to do the right thing. So we see here within this scripture that he says, the sovereign Lord says, you were the seal of perfection. You were what? Full of wisdom. Now you're just a fool and you're a scoffer. I can't even say you're a simpleton because you do know better. And you were perfect in beauty. In other words, now you're ugly. All right, here we go. 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God. We know that, don't we? Every precious stone adorned you. In other words, God put jewels on him. Now, there's a lot of them here that I'm going to name, and I'm going to butcher some of these names. Forgive me. Google, Google it later, right? Our Carnelian, uh, <laughs> Chrysolite, Emerald, Topaz, Onyx, Jasper, Lapis Lazuli, Turquoise, and Beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. Now, in the King James Version, it actually says that your timbrels and pipes so not only is he a stringed instrument, but now we understand that Satan or Lucifer himself, who was created, who was what? The first worshiper. Are y'all following me here? Stay with me. All right. Who was a, a stringed instrument and, 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 and now he's got what? Jewels. I mean, guys, why, why do you, when you propose, why are you giving your wife a, a, a ring? Jewels are what? They're beautiful. They're valued. They're prestigious. Or when you do something wrong, you give them a something of jewelry, right? <laughs> Christmas time. You know, Christmas Eve at nine o'clock at night, I gotta find Michael's jewelry. Hey, there you go. Got you, bam! 
I'll get my royalty later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right? So what are you doing? You're trying. You're doing something because there's something precious about it. It's valued. So when God created him, man, he created him with some value. He was beautiful. He was perfect. Let's move on. It says that he's what, got timbers, uh, timbrels and cymbals and pipes or what? Or, or those things that are blown. On the day you were created, they were prepared. This is important to know because there's three categories when it comes to instruments. What do you have? You have the plucked instrument, which is what? The stringed instrument. You have the percussion instrument, the drums, the cymbals, right? And you have the wind instrument, which is like flutes, trumpets, saxophones. We don't have any of those. Brad, work on that, okay? Lucifer himself possessed all of these things. He was literally the worship leader in heaven and he adorned what? He had every kind of jewel upon him. All right, here we go, verse 14. He says this, you were anointed. In other words, when he did all this stuff, stuff happened. The music was powerful. Know this, what you listen to shapes your life. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. What you're bringing in shapes your life. The music you're listening to shapes your life. Watch the conversations that you allow yourself to be a part of. What do you do? You're listening to it. It's shaping your life. All right, let me find where I was. Okay. As a guardian cherub, for so I adorned you, you were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, in other words, Satan replaced what belonged to God. He took it for himself. And we must be very careful not to fall into that. That we come here and we give God what our lip service, but leave and give love and devotion to everything else. Because on to say you were filled with violence and you are now sin. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and your corrupt and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before the kings. In fact, we understand that Jesus said when his disciples came to him after they were so excited that demons fled at the name of Jesus, Jesus' response was, of course they are. Of course they did. My name is what? Above every other name. There is none like me. Luke chapter 10, verse 18 says, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The other day I was traveling and I was reminded of this and, 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 and uh, we were coming home and it was dark. And I don't know if you guys have seen on Facebook, there was like this meteor that nobody caught onto and it went flying by. I actually saw it and it was the coolest thing. I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world? Was that a shooting? I mean, the thing was huge. It was so cool. If you missed it, I'm sorry, but I found it, all right? I never see those things, okay? It was, a, it was one of those moments. But could you imagine, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. One moment he's there in heaven, the next moment he's what? A millisecond later, he's gone. He's out of there. It was like two great superpowers coming together, battling it out. No, they weren't. No, no, no. If you had to do a movie on this scene that happened in heaven, it would have been a millisecond long because there's nothing more powerful than God. Amen. There's no being, no spirit, no nothing can ever 
conquer who God is or ever replace who God will always be. So now there's a, a position to be filled. God still wants these three things to happen. He wants prayer. He wants the word. He wants worship. But now he has an open decision. So who is the new worship leader? I'm glad you asked. It's you. Everything he did in creating Lucifer, he has done that in you and on you so that you can fulfill that position. God even created with all those types of instruments. In your throat, there are two strings called vocal cords. Wind comes through our lungs. Follow me, I know deep, this is getting boring, wake up. Wind comes through our lungs, passes through those strings so that we can do what? We can sing and worship our God. Declaring out of our mouth the praises of God. You are what? Now you are a wind instrument. What about the percussion? Well, what do you got connected to your hands, to your arms? You got hands, right? Man, you know, have you ever seen like them, uh, I've seen this like on TV. I've never really seen it on person. But like, you know, they've, he's like, like, I don't really want to say this wrong, but hillbilly music, you know what I'm talking about? We're like, yeah. And they got the spoons a clicking and a clacking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, right? We were made for worship. As dumb as that sounded right there, but you are the replacement. So what does this mean? There's three truths that we need to know. Number one is this, God made me from him. God made me from him, right? When God made you, he did it from himself. And, and listen, this is a teaching, this is a series that we could get in all by itself. But God did two things. He created something, and some things, and he made some things. Here, let me define it for you. A created thing is from absolutely nothing. Like he said, let there be light when there was no light and what did happen? It appeared. So God created that. But made is he took something that already existed and he made it from it, all right? It's like taking a pile of clay and, and, and making a vase from something you've made something. Genesis chapter one, verse 11 says, then God said, let the land, what? Produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land. So what he did in that moment was he told the earth to produce something, right? The reason he did this was because he wanted to make sure that what was made had a relationship with what it was made from. He wants the two to be what? Close. The moment the tree or the plant is disconnected, what? From the dirt, what happens? It begins to die. So when God created the woman, God took a rib, what? From Adam. And he said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Why? Because he wanted there to be a relationship. Watch this, here we go. Going against culture. Going against society, wow. But God wanted a relationship between what? Man and a woman. So, hold on, hold on. So mankind created or was it made? We were made, but from what? Watch this, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. 
Then God said, let us make mankind in what? Our image. In our likeness. So every one of us, you were created from God. Why is this important? Because when it comes to God, we've came from God, we are sustained by God, and we will what? Return to God. Listen, your body came from dirt, sustained by dirt, and will one day return to dirt, but not your spirit. Your spirit man came from God. It is sustained by God, and it will return to God. And watch this. The day you decide that you can live your life disconnected from God is the day that your life begins to die. Harsh reality, but so much truth. All right, number two, here we go. God made me to be with him. The reason we are made from him is so that there would be a relationship between the two. Too many people have a formal relationship with God, right? I really don't like you or even love you, but I know it's important. So I'm gonna come for that hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning and maybe we can reconnect. That was never God's intention. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, not everyone, and this is, listen, listen up. If I can get your attention on any verse, let me get it on this one right now. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is what? In heaven. In other words, he says, I only wanted you. Relationship is the will of the Father. God wants a relationship with you, and he doesn't want you a relationship with religion. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 31 through 32 says, for this reason, a man, <laughs> no, I got a funny story. I got to stop right there. I saw my notes said, tell funny story. I got a funny story. I even plugged that in there, right? It's ridiculous. So, you know, I'm a pastor, so I do weddings, okay? And I, I love weddings way, way more than I love funerals. All right, I'll just tell you that right now. But, but uh, I, 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 I do them too, all right? But, but I, I, I love to do Weddings. Weddings are cool. They're fun. They're scripted. I can't mess that up, right? Like, this is what I'm saying. You repeat this. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I have this scripture that we're about to get into in a minute in Ephesians chapter 5. And it's, I, I put it in to just about every, um, every uh, wedding. And, and can you throw that up there for a second? And this is what it says. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be reunited to his wife. Now, I want to stop there for a second because I got to tell you a funny story. It wasn't funny at the moment. But it's funny now, at least to me it's funny. If you don't think it's funny, please laugh, all right? <laughs> Let's make believe that it was funny. And uh, so I was doing a wedding and it was here and, and, and I got to that scripture and I was like, I don't need to read that. I mean, I know that thing frontwards, backwards, flip it upside down, turn it around, everything. And I said, and for this reason, a man will leave his wife and cling to his father and mother. <laughs> man. Epic failure. I mean, even to this day, like I tell everyone that I've married, I tell them that story now. I say, just don't be surprised if I mess that up. Yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was bad. Anyway, all right. So it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father. Now you never read that the same, I promise you, okay? Will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. See, we think this verse is really about a wedding, but it's not. 
Because it goes on to say in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the what? Church. God is saying to them that they can't wait. You know, he's, he's, he's saying to us, look, and he's using a marriage as a, a way of looking at this. But what, two people that, you know, the husband and wife, they can't wait to get married, you know, go on their honeymoon, live life together. He wants you to see that. He goes, but watch this. The reason I want you to see that is because that's what I want with you. That's what I want with you. I want you to be as excited as I am about this. I want you to have this love deep down inside that I have for you. I want that to be toward me. You know, I want us to have that connect. I want us to have that relationship. Revelation chapter two, verses nine through 10 says, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you what? The bride, the wife, of the lamb. So what does God sees us? God sees us intimately close to him. We are what? The bride of Christ. It goes on to say, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the what? Holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. In other words, he's got his bride and now he's bringing his bride home to the holy city that has been prepared. Revelation chapter 21, verses 19 through 20. And, and uh, says this, the foundation of the city walls were what? What were they? They were decorated with what? Every kind of precious stone. Where did we see that earlier? Remember that was what, what, what Satan was adorned with? So what is that is something that is waiting on us as, as the bride. The first foundation was Jasper. Notice, here we go. Same stones are going to be listed. The second, Sapphire. The third, Gate. The fourth, uh, the third, Agate. The fourth, Emerald. The fifth, Onyx. The sixth, Ruby. The seventh, uh, chrysolite, the, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine, amethyst. Thank you. Look, you got to have a pastor that's got a little bit of a sense of humor, okay? I mean, that just gets boring if you just got to sit there. God goes over the top because he's that much in love with you. He's going over the top. There's no cost. It doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter about the anything. He wants you. He loves you. He adores you. Number three, God made me to express love to him. All God wants from you is what he's given you, and that is love. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 23, yet a time is coming that needs to be right now. But it says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the what? True worshipers will worship. Understand the word right there in the English, that's a, that's a made word. It's not what it was in the original language and we'll get into that in a minute. But it says the father in the spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. I want you to stand with me this morning. God is looking for those who are worshipers. In the original language in the Greek, the word worship was actually proskuneo, which that was a verb, that's an action. It's not something that you would think that it would mean, but watch this. The meaning of that word was literally to kiss. 
Not in a romantic way, right? But in a way to show adoration, a way to show respect and honor and love. Can you play that one song, uh, the last one that you guys did? Um, There you go. Stop treating God like he, he is some faceless and feelingless being. Stop treating God like he's somebody that you can just kick around and come to whenever you feel like it. Stop placing all this other stuff above who God truly is and what he desires and deserves. But be as that scripture is and be what a true worshiper, offering thanksgiving, offering praise. God, you are my number one. No person, no place, no thing, no being, no nothing, Lord will ever replace you in my life from this moment forward. God, I love you. God, we worship you. God, here today, Lord, we are what? Raising a hallelujah in the presence of what? My enemies. What does that mean? Satan, hear it loud, hear it strong. Understand this, you are not my God. You never will be. I am here to serve one and only, and that is Jehovah. That is the Lord who provides. He's the one who created all things. He is the one that John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave, no strings attached, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, every about every I close, I wanna ask this question. If you're not in relationship with the God of this universe, if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you have not made him the Lord of your life, today is the day for that to completely change. Kind of like the ball's now in your court. I've presented, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now the rest is up to you. If you could look at me and be like, you know what, pastor, today, I, I, I want to make that decision this morning. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. I want to serve him from this moment on all the days of my life. If that is you, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see that one. Fabulous. I see that one. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer together this morning. And I want us as a church to pray it boldly, enthusiastically, like it was the first time you prayed it. Here we go. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. And from this moment on, be my Lord, be my master, and be my savior. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise?